Maybe you've said a sentence like this. This relationship isn't what I thought it would be. This job isn't utilizing my full talents. I'm not getting enough playing time. I should be out there starting. I should be on the starting line. I'm smarter than my boss. That one, yeah, that one rings familiar for a few people. I should be doing something more important than this. The, the feeling in the experience of walking through challenging times where you feel like this isn't where I'm supposed to be yet, it's something that we've all gone through. And today's passage, today's teaching is going to be a little bit different than my normal style of teaching. I'm with no apology, usually more of a storyteller in the way that I teach. But today's message from scripture, it's part of a story. And it's a, it's a longer section, and so it's just it's going to consume most of the time just breaking through this story and looking at how we have similar experiences and the things that we can learn from it. So I apologize, there won't be as many you know, stories about my kids doing crazy things to me today, but it's just going to be a lot, a lot of scripture. We're looking in 1 Samuel chapter 9 today. Everyone loves to pull encouragement from the Old Testament, don't you? Sometimes it can feel like it's a little bit harder to find encouraging words in the Old Testament, but I'm going to tell you, it's jam-packed with wisdom and truth about the way that we live our life for God. And we're going to jump into the middle of the story, but I want to give you some context to what's going on. We're, go we're entering into the situation with the nation of Israel, and at this time, their leader was the prophet Samuel. And, and it was in this time where the nation started to rise up against Samuel and his sons and say, hey, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. And God said, you don't want that for yourself. Because if you have a king, they're going to lead you to war. They're going to take you guys as servants and slaves. And it won't end well for you. And the nation just said, no, this is what we want. And God said, all right, I'll let you have what you want. Which that sounds incredibly stupid, except for when we say, okay, how many times have I known what God tells me to do, but I decide I want to do something else? It's very relatable in, in my life, at least. And so we enter into the story where it goes from Samuel talking with these leaders of the, the nation and then it switches to this narrative about a specific person. And it dials into the life of a young man named Saul. And it introduces in the beginning of chapter 9, it says Saul was this, uh, there was a man named Kish who was wealthy and he had a son named Saul. And then we're going to pick up in verse 2 as we're going to start. And I'm going to kind of read a section and then break into a little bit. And so starting in verse 2, it says his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So all the men in the room, you totally get what they're talking about. Like, this is you, right? More handsome than anyone else. I mean, you guys, you're handsome, but I want you to understand, this passage is saying that he was handsome, but on like a national level. All right? He was handsome on a national level. So like the ladies, like they were swiping right. Like they were taking notice of the guy who's sitting here. And, and not only was he handsome, but he was tall, dark, and handsome. Like he was taller than everyone else. He was someone you looked up to just because you had to because he was stinking tall. He's one of those guys. He's tall and he's handsome and he, he's wealthy and he just has it all. One of those guys other guys don't always get along with too well um, because he just seems like he has everything. And so we enter into this person that God has obviously landed these blessings into. And, and you also know some of the personality traits of someone who grew up with just too much gifting than any one person should have. And so read some of that into Saul as we get into this text. And so continuing into verse 3. One day Kish, that was his father, his donkeys strayed away. And he told Saul, take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of the servants 
and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the land of Shalisha, and the, and the Shalem area, and the entire land of Benjamin. But they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, they entered the region of Zuf, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By now my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. Now, when we look at Saul and who he was and how he grew up, I'm going to tell you, it was obvious that God had placed some gifting in this individual. And so when his father came to him and said, hey, I've got a mission for you. Go find lost donkeys. There would have been a sense in Saul that said, this is a good job for two servants rather than your extremely handsome tall son and a servant. And in fact, you know, from the text, it's not Saul's fault that these donkeys got lost. And if you've ever tried to tell one of your children to do anything, you know, well, it's not my fault, right? And, and you know, there's other people who could do this. That someone else should take care of this. This is below me. This is below my pay grade. And so just as we begin connecting into this concept, I'm going to use the term broken road today. Because my goal, the reason we do this song is because I, I'm going to ruin a few songs for you in this series. That's my goal. Every time you hear them on the radio, I want it to bring you back to Gulfside Church. That's what I want to happen. And, and when you hear the song, I want it to bring you back to some of these lessons that we talk about. It's true, we walk down broken roads and we go to, through areas of our life where, where we say, I was meant for something more important than this. And what we see in Saul, there, there was some great blessings just planted inside of Saul. And he gets sent out on what's described, the, the way one of my mentors describes it as he teaches this passage. He's the one who encouraged me on this passage. He says, you know, we get sent on donkey missions sometimes. No one likes to go on a donkey mission. No one likes to go. And, and, and roll your mind through this. They were walking through open country for days searching for donkeys. Sun up to sun down. This would get old very quickly. And then we see that in verse 5, finally when they entered the region of Zuf, and Saul said to his servant, let's go home. By now my father will be wor more worried about us than about the donkeys. My father's not going to care about the donkeys anymore because he's just going to be worried about me because I'm just that important that dad, he doesn't really care about the donkeys he sent me out to find. It doesn't matter if I give up on my mission, he's going to be worried about me. So I need to get he headed home because I matter. I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. So, so he, he reaches that point. And the, the first lesson that I want to draw from this, this first truth that I would guess you've probably experienced in your own life, that as you're walking down a broken road, the, those trips through the difficult times, broken roads test your patience. Broken roads, they test your patience. You might know what God has called you to in the long term. You might know where your family is supposed to be headed. You might know where your career is supposed to be headed. But the reality is that as you move towards that, you're going to go through experiences that are not what you wanted. And it's going to test your patience in chasing after that dream, chasing after that calling. And you're going to reach points where, where you want to give up. And I, I know that as we look at what is ahead of us, the difficulty that we walk through to get to where we need to go, it's important. It matters. It makes a difference. And it, and it actually shows the reality of what you're called towards. I'll explain it this way. As Gulfside Church here, we're 23 weeks old. This is week number 23, which is awesome. Yes, we can clap for that. You guys have done an amazing job. This has been a great, great experience. But in that, that short, you know, the Michael Jordan number of weeks that we have, 
I, it's amazing how many people have just flat out let me know that it's God's will for them to stand up on this stage and teach sometime. The majority of them have never even been to Gulfside Church. That is a weird thing. That is a weird thing to suggest, but they're just sure that they need to be up in front of people. And it's not that I think I need to be the only person up here. In fact, I'll tell you, there's a few individuals and there's one young man in particular that I see in them that God has just planted this gift that has yet to grow out yet. And, and I know, I'm getting him ready right now that in the next year, he's going to be up here and he's going to teach sometime. And I believe that he's going to absolutely rock it. But I know that God's placed a gift in him, but I know it's not time for him to be up here yet. But I know that he's on his way because in the 23 weeks that we've been meeting, if there's a job to be done, he's doing it. He's setting up stuff in the bathroom. He, he's finishing his responsibilities and he's walking around finding more responsibilities to get done. And when I approached him and said, hey, I, I think that God has a gift to communicate that is planted inside of you, his reaction was, whoa, I don't think so. And to me, I'm like, man, that's just confirmation. <laughs> like, I know, you don't need to be up here, and that's the trait of someone who's called to speak. And the reality is that all of these tasks that would just feel so meaningless are so important in moving him towards where God wants him to be. And we know that that's true when we look at the life and experience of someone else, right? It's easy to look and say, okay, yeah, it's great that he's cleaning the toilets and things like that. And that's moving him towards a position of being in, on stage and teaching and being in front of people. It's easy to see that in other people. But when we look at our own life, it's harder to say, yeah, I need to walk through this time of difficulty and suffering to get where God wants me to be. It's harder to apply that to ourselves, even though we can see the truth in someone else's life. And so there's an element of patience that's required for us to grow and to get moving in the area that God wants us to be at. And so we see in verse 5 that Saul, he's ready. He says, you know, this is pointless. We've been after it for so long. We should just get it headed home because, you know, my dad, he's going to miss me too much. So I'm going. And then in verse 6, it says, but the servant said, I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all of the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. And you know what's even more frustrating than walking through open fields searching for donkeys for days? It is when you have to take advice from someone who's beneath you. I mean, let me illustrate it this way, I guess. If you can imagine, imagine driving and you're, you're on the highway through gridlock traffic up in the Tampa area. And you're not quite sure where you need to go and you're looking at your phone for directions and then it dies. And you think this might be the exit but you're not sure and people are honking at you from behind. And you're trying to make a decision and all of a sudden from the back seat your little kid says, hey, maybe we should just pray about it. You're like, maybe I should just smack you. Like, this is not the right time to bring God into it. Like, I'm frustrated, I'm ready to just like freak out and, and you're going to bring God into it? No, this is not the right time for that. And yet we hear them, they're on this trip and Saul's servant says, hey, there's a prophet nearby. Let's go inquire from the prophet. Let's see what God has to say about this. And, and Saul's reaction is probably a lot like ours. He, he starts getting into excuses. And, and it's interesting in verse 7, he says, Saul says, but we don't have anything to offer him. Saul replied, and this was the custom. If you went to see a prophet or a seer, you bring a gift or a token of respect to him. And, and Saul says, but we don't even have anything to offer him. Saul replied, even our food is gone. So they've been on this, this hiking trip through, through the open field, and they've run out of the food that they brought. We don't have anything to give him. 
Maybe, maybe you can relate to this. I know that I can. There's often been times where I know God's calling me to do something, and my response is, well, I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. God, I know that you're pushing on my heart to give financially right now, but things are tight, and I don't think I can. I, I don't have the time to volunteer this coming weekend because, man, it's busy, and I just need a little bit of time to relax, and, and I just don't have it. I don't have the resources. You haven't given me enough stuff, God, to do what you're asking me to do. I know I can relate to that. Maybe you can too. But I also know that the, the best stories in my faith and in my life are the times when I step out saying, I don't have enough to make this happen, but I have enough faith to trust that you're asking me to do it. I have enough discernment. I, I, I know that you're asking me to do this, and so it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm just going to step out and do it. Those are the best stories in our faith when we see God provide in miraculous and amazing ways. And so the servant says in verse 8, well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. And in those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go see the seer, for the prophets used to call, be called seers. All right, Saul agreed, let's try it. So they started into the town where the man of God lived. In a situation at work where you have to take instruction from someone who's below you in the org chart. As a parent, when your child says something and you know that they're right, we have to choose how we react. Broken roads, the next point is that they humble us. Broken roads humble us. They teach us truth about who we are and who God is. And I believe that as we walk through life, there, there's moments where we have to take a greater understanding that I can't do this on my own. I don't have the resources on my own. And sometimes God is going to instruct me even from people who are below me on the org chart or in the family or in respect circles. Because God speaks through many voices to us. And sometimes he'll use someone to bring a message that is younger than us. And we wouldn't expect it. So Saul, I find this interesting too. Saul humbled himself in the situation and he went. And sometimes we don't start well, but that doesn't mean we can't finish well. I know that in our culture, I see it probably on a weekly basis, many times wives are dragging their husbands into church on a Sunday. And you know what, husbands? It's all right. I've felt that way many times too. Even as the pastor, do I have to go to church today? Yeah, you do. All right, well, I guess I better go. All right? But many of those Sundays on the times where I wanted to drag my feet were the Sundays where God did something incredibly encouraging in my life. A word came to me from someone that helped clarify where I needed to go in that week, in that month, in that season of my life. And so I get it. Sometimes we don't start well. Sometimes we drag our feet. But that doesn't mean we can't humble ourselves and move forward on what we need to do. And on these broken roads, man, I, I just look at the whole situation and say sometimes we have to lose something. Because when we start searching for donkeys or whatever it is that we're looking for, we often find something more important. We often find something more critical as we're out searching for the thing that we think we need. And sometimes God lets us exhaust ourselves because we need to know that we aren't strong enough to do this on our own. These broken roads, they, they often humble us. Continuing on to verse 11. As they were climbing the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. Now remember who we're talking about here. We're talking about Mr. Fabio, like Mr. Most Handsome in all of Israel. They've been walking for days and days. And if you know anything about when bad decisions are made, like the halt acrostic, 
you're usually going to make a bad decision if you're hungry, they were hungry and they were out of food. If you're angry, they've been walking through fields looking for lost donkeys. If, if you're lonely, they're missing home. And if they're tired, they're physically exhausted. They had all the makings of a bad decision right here. And they have these young women who walk up and, it's in a, and they're going to draw water. And it's interesting, the details that are here in the text. So as they're climbing the hills of the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servant asked, is the seer here today? Yes, they replied. Stay right on this road. He is at the town gates. He has just arrived to take part in a public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes there to eat. The guests won't begin eating, so there's people waiting to eat until he arrives to bless the food. So if you're going to catch him, you have to hurry and you have to go now. So right now, they're at this point where they're coming into the town. These women are drawing water. They're thirsty. They've been traveling. They have every excuse to, you know, try to chase after. They can make the excuse, you know, we've been traveling so much. And, and these people, they, they seem really nice and they seem young. And they would probably give us a place to stay for the night and a, and a warm meal. And we deserve a warm meal. We've been working so hard with no results, doing what we were asked to do. And, and, you know, we can just relax and we can, you know, watch Netflix and we can maybe chill and, like, and just be there. And it's a great excuse to not go chase after what we're here to do right now. And there's an urgency that's described in the situation. You need to go now if you find him. And so if they stayed and talked, they would have missed the opportunity. And it's one of the truths that we're, when we're on the way to God's calling, when we're on this broken road, that broken roads, they test our motives. They test our motives. It would have been easy for Saul to reason why he could have chased after that. Why he could have just taken a break from God's plan for a little bit. But there was something else that was right in front of him. And, you know, maybe the servant dragged him by the hand. I, I don't know, we ha don't have those descriptions, but we know that they kept moving. And any time when you're trying to work on your life, when you're trying to work on your marriage, when you're trying to work on your family, when you're trying to work on your career, other temptations will come and they will challenge you. And when your motives are tested, how will you respond? What is the most important calling in your life? Continuing on to verse 14, and this is a longer section, so, so hang with me. So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out towards them to go up to the place of worship. This was Samuel the prophet, who was the leader of the nation at the time. Verse 15, now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw, the, saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together. And in the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. I'm going to stop there for just a second. And, and this really brings out the main point that I want to bring across to you guys today. The main point of, of the, this morning is this truth that God uses our obedience and things that feel pointless to prepare us for things that feel impossible. God uses our obedience in things that feel pointless to prepare us for things 
that feel impossible. The, the grandest dreams that you have. I, I believe that God puts dreams in our hearts that we have to chase after. And, and those grandest dreams, we'll never achieve them if we're not willing to be obedient in the smaller things. And that's what Jesus taught us. If, you find, if I find you faithful and small, I will trust you with great. And, and this concept that God is going to see how we turn and, and things that just might feel pointless to prepare us for things that feel impossible. And, and this, is, this is the interesting thing. And it continues into verse 21. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? The, this, this truth that although... I'm sure Saul was sick of being on a mission chasing after donkeys. He was sick of walking through the countryside. He was ready to go home. But while he was doing that, and he didn't give up on the search that he was on, he was brought to a place where he was told, this mission, God is, God is putting this on you, that you're going to lead the nation, that all of the nation's hopes are going to be on you and your family. His response was, no, I'm not, I'm not the guy for that. I'm not ready for that. I don't have the gifts for that. My family isn't important enough for that. And it's this truth that as we continue on, as we continue chasing after what God has put in front of us, he entrusts us with more. But the real point, I think, of the roads that we walk down is found in the next chapter. Band, I'm going to go ahead and have you guys start making your way up on the stage as I begin to close this out. In chapter 10, verse 9, and I didn't give them this verse, so it's not going to be on the screen, but you can, you can read this chapter this week. I encourage you. It's this awesome picture of what happens next. 1 Samuel 10, 9. It says, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at the procession of prophets, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him. The point of this broken road was not just that Saul would become king of Israel, but that God was going to change Saul's heart. And then God was going to use him in an even greater way. And I know that in my own life, that there's been times, there's been seasons, there, there's been damage and hurt in relationships that I never wanted to be a part of my story. And I know that every life in here has similar occurrences. I know that there's things that are part of your past, but I also know that there's things that are part of your present. Things that are being sorted through right now. You say, I wish I wasn't feeling this I want you to know, I don't believe that God has designed us to live in that and to stay in that place. But I believe the way that you move from that spot to the spot that God desires you, I believe the way that you heal from what's in your past and in your present is very simple acts of obedience. And it may not feel like taking a simple step of obedience could heal a marriage. It may not feel like it would matter if, 
If I said yes to God because I feel like he's pushing on my heart and I need to make a decision to ask him to forgive my sins and to give me a fresh start, it may not feel like it would matter if you did that, but what scripture teaches is that when we take a small step, God moves us a large step. Romans teaches us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It's a scriptural truth. The step might not feel like it will do anything, but the truth is that when you take that small step, God meets you where you are. And my encouragement for you today, if life has been rough, if you've been walking through this life without God, take a small step of obedience to Him today. As I close in prayer, just, just say, God, I believe. And God, I want you. I believe that as you do that, just a simple small step, He's going to begin to work in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for everyone in us, every one of us in here who has stress and anxiety on our heart right now. I pray for the broken relationships. I pray for the stress within our household. And Lord, we entrust it into your hands. And I pray for any one of us in here who, who today would say, I have not yet made my relationship right with God. I pray that you would give them courage to say yes to you today. And that as they believe in their heart and they make that confession of faith to you, that you cause spiritual life to happen in their heart and mind today. And that the fruits of the Spirit would appear in their life of peace, patience, joy, kindness, self-control. Lord, fill them up. Fill their household. Lord, as we follow you through broken roads, help us to know that at the end, you are there, that you are moving us towards something, and that we can trust you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.